Welcome to the Artipop Podcast. As the founder of Artipop, I've always felt we live in a highly conventional era when it comes to motherhood. But also that change is near. Therefore, I created this podcast to give voice to different refreshing perspectives around motherhood and life in general. To empower you and all the women around you to trust their intuition. I've asked a journalist whose work I love Kaira van Wijk to host this series for you. Let's use our feminine energy to shape the future. I hope you're with me. Please enjoy. Thanks for joining. This is your host, Kaira. Today we're having a chat with the remarkable Nina Gualinda, who bridges ancient wisdom into modern society. She's an indigenous woman leader of the Quechua community of Sarayuku in Ecuadorian Amazon. She spent her childhood in part in Amazon rainforest, but also in rural Sweden, since she's both Swedish and Ecuadorian. Ever since she was a child, she's seen firsthand how indigenous lives and territories have been threatened by the government and corporations. Comprising less than 5% of the world's population, indigenous people protect 80% of global biodiversity, crucial for all of our survival. In this episode, Nina talks about a daily fight for justice. Being a single mother with a small baby boy and deciding to speak up about the physical abuse that she suffered from her son's father. I'm so glad we're here. I'm so glad we're doing this. Thank you for your time. Yes, no, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, of course. So actually the first question I have for you, I'm really curious about that, is what was it like for you growing up in the Amazon? And also why would you wish a similar childhood or facets of it to any child out there? Yeah, I was I was born um in the Ecuador and Amazon and grew up there pretty much my like most of my childhood and I mean <laughs> it was um it's hard to just like explain with words mm-hmm. um but what I can say is that I was very free um and I was you know living in the forest Um, learning from the forest, learning how this earth works, um, how, uh, you know, all the living beings around us um, coexist and uh, function and, you know, the cycles of nature itself and all of those things that I see today are super important to know, but that if I would not have Um, live there I would never have been able to understand or experience Um, and I was also very lucky to grow up uh, closely to my grandparents who uh, were able to teach me a lot of um, things that they had learned um, in the forest so I I don't want to like romanticize um, life in the forest because it's also, it's hard. Um, You know, you have to learn to to be careful. There are snakes. Um, You have to uh, work and, you know, you have to provide for yourself and 
you know, kids have to learn how to fish and hunt and uh, make um, tools. Um, but all of those things are super, super important to be able to understand how this world, how all these ecosystems work mm -hmm. and, you know, to learn how to respect that as well. Yeah. So it, yeah, it was a, a beautiful childhood and um, I obviously want that for my children as well. Um, not just because it was beautiful, but because it's important. Yeah. To get more of an appreciation really of where we're all coming from I can imagine yeah and I think I can imagine it does really change a child if they grow up surrounded by nature or if they're like totally cut off um but is it important to you that your baby boy grows up in a similar way or are you doing it a little bit differently um because of you know circumstances in in my life uh, it's it's different Um, but my dream, my vision has always been to raise my children in my community. Um, and I hope to be able to do that soon as well. He was born there though. Um, and you know, we've, we've lived there as well and we hope to go back there. You already said uh, something about the birth and I'm curious also about your birth story because I read, I think maybe it wasn't an Instagram story of yours that, There are certain practices that come with it, like for example, the umbilical cords, you're, you bury it after you, gave, you give birth. Mm -hmm. Could you share your story? Yeah. <laughs> so it's um, during my pregnancy, I was working a lot. So I was traveling as well. Um, and I, but I had decided long ago, like even before I even, um, knew I was pregnant, I always thought that I want to, of course, give birth in my community. So, you know, when the time came, I I went back there and my <laughs> my Swedish family and my Swedish friends were very worried mm. because they're not used to they're not used to giving birth um, you know, without medical assistance and far away from the hospitals. And I respect, you know, every uh, mother's choice on how to give birth and, you know, what makes every woman feel safer. But in my case, I felt like I was safer at home. Um, and I felt that if I'm going to give life, um, I, I don't want to be in a hospital. That actually scared me because I automatically associated hospitals with being sick, you know? Mm. Um, so I went back uh, sometime earlier and the child, uh, <laughs> it wasn't coming. Oh. So I went, <laughs> I, went, I went walking in the forest. I went walking the mountains because everyone told me that it's, you know, it's going to be faster. Like if, if you walk a lot and, But he, he didn't come. Um, he was supposed to come around before Christmas. And the last day of the year, I was, you know, like, okay, so he's going to come in the new year. So I was painting my face um, with this traditional paint we took because we were going to celebrate the new year with the community. And, um, you know, suddenly I felt like, I felt like these like small cramps. And I had had them before. So I thought like, no, this is not, you know, 
it's not the right time. Um, but then they started getting more and more intense. And I realized like, okay, this is for real now. So mm-hmm. we started, you know, preparing everything and my grandmother came and my mom was there. My sister was there and my cousin. Um, and we prepared, uh, you know, these like, they're made of bamboo. Uh, so when you cut the bamboo, um, it's actually really good for uh, cutting. Um, so, and then, you know, the women gave me some plants to drink. And it didn't take very long, actually. I had a, a very, um, like, short, I would say, pretty smooth birth. And then we cut the umbilical cord with a bamboo. I did it myself. And, um, yeah, then, <laughs> yeah, as, as tradition, we buried the, the umbilical cord and the mother cake um, in, the, in the soil. And it has a lot of reasons. But um, for me, one of the most important things, and which is also why I wanted to give birth there, is, be, is because I wanted my child to be connected with that place, to always respect the earth. Um, to know that, you know, um, he was born to this earth and that this earth is um, providing him with all the things that he he needs growing up. Um, So, you know, I always try to maintain that connection, um, but also to obviously, he's only three years old, but I often talk with him about you know, how to respect uh, life on earth and how to respect Mother Earth. And it's beautiful how children his age can actually understand that and mm. um, see other living creatures as, um, you know, animals and plants as as beings that, that need to be respected and cared for. Um, so yeah, that was that. And it was, I mean, it was amazing. I had also grown up, uh, seeing a lot of women giving birth. So I wasn't afraid. Um, I knew from the beginning that I can do this and I want to do this at home. Um, and I want to do this with my, with the women in my family. And, and that's what I did. And, you know, to have my mother there, to have my grandmother there who, you know, (laughs) have already had children was very, um, felt very safe and there was no doctors or nurses or, um, you know, people there. And Mm -hmm. we don't have hospitals in in our community or nearby. Um, so it was, um, of course, in a way, I was completely exposed to, you know, if anything went wrong. But I mm-hmm. I was so convinced I knew that everything was going to turn out well. And it did. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a very beautiful experience. Yeah. What does motherhood actually mean to you from an indigenous perspective? I can say that uh, for me personally, there has Um, there has never been anything more empowering than becoming a mother. Um, It's like, it completely changed me and my perspective on life and my place as a woman. Um, And, you know, to, yeah, to see like what kind of power I have as a woman to shape 
um, another generation of people and uh, what kind of values and ideas I want to transmit, not only to my child, but to other children. And I think that, you know, as, as an Indigenous mother, that um, a lot of mothers have that role of, you know, transmitting knowledge, of, um, you know, providing um, and caring for their families, um, as in protecting, you know, these, this knowledge that comes um, from generations of living with a forest and, you know, transmitting songs and stories and um, seeds in the recent times, um, you know, ever since uh, the extractive industries arrived, women have, you know, more and more had a role also to protect their territories, um, you know, as a way to also protect their families and their children and future generations. Um, so mothers, especially, um, you know, and women have a huge huge responsibility um, and enormous challenges um, in, yeah, as Indigenous uh, women in the Amazon. Yeah. And I think that that is super important to recognize and see um, that women are, you know, fighting so many different fights and standing up for so many different things and taking like so many different roles as well. And yeah, I believe it's like a lot of times, um, and I think this applies for every society, uh, you know, even like Western society that um, sometimes as a mother, you're expected to, you know, be just a mother. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel, and, you know, this is my personal opinion on this, but I feel like uh, women have so many different roles and different identities and um, you know, for me, my motherhood is a very like present and strong role and identity, but I definitely mm -hmm. also see myself as a, as a young woman, um, you know, as a defender and, yeah. um, sometimes, you know, uh, I, I see myself in, in girls as well. I, I don't think it's necessary to just have one identity and, you know. Yeah, of course, you're a multifaceted being. Yeah. Since what age did you actually get into women's rights, indigenous rights, and environmental change? You became a guardian of the Amazon, really. So when, you know, growing up in, in the community, I had very little idea of what was happening around in the world. Um, and I had no idea that our home and our forest, you know, was um, being sold out um, to different extractive industries such as oil companies and mining companies. And, and when I was eight years old, I first realized that our territory and, and this place that I was calling home was actually... Um, being seen as just something to make profit of. And I remember that this representative of this oil company, Argentinian oil company, came to our territory and offered 
um, people money. And when that didn't work, they offered people education and health. But we immediately knew that those were promises that these people were not going to keep because they they did not really care for us. And when my community uh, decided to say no to the intrusion of the oil companies, the Ecuadorian government sent out militaries um, to our communities and uh, both family and, you know, family friends were threatened and, and tortured and um, persecuted by the government. Um, and it was, it was a really, really hard time. And that's, that's when I started to understand like the dynamics of, you know, of these industries and, um, how that is connected to, um, you know, human rights and the environment. Um, and then, so at the age of around eight, nine, I already started advocating for indigenous people's rights, um, you know, for the Amazon rainforest. And I started taking action in different spaces because what I feared was that my home would be destroyed. I fear that my family and my friends and the the place that I knew and um you know, felt safe and mm-hmm. would basically just die um, and die as in, as in, you know, sicknesses and destruction, pollution, diseases, violence. So later on as a teenager, I also started to understand how this is connected to the rest of the world um and what role climate change has in all of this um how you know the fact that what happened in my community was not only happening to us but it was systematic it was a structure it was you know the way that this world is basically built the western world or like the european um uh, wealth is built upon the suffering of of people um and it's built upon the destruction of the environment it's built upon the disrespect of you know basic human rights of people around the world Mm -hmm. and also just realizing that you know indigenous people through our way of life through resisting oil companies through resisting extractive industries all over the world are also protecting land, are protecting forests, um, are protecting nature. Um, And by doing so, they're also risking their lives because they're getting murdered, they're getting um, threatened and persecuted by governments, by extractive industries. Um, And, you know, we're more and more realizing how important um, it is to protect forests and to maintain biodiversity because in the end, you know, scientists are saying that it is affecting us all Mm -hmm. and it will affect uh, us all further down the road um, in a more severe way. So I started making all of these connections and yeah, just gave my life to it basically. But this was a decision that I made as a child already. Yeah. 
I'm just wondering, like, how have you seen the environment change? Because it's eight, uh, 18 years later, you're 26 now, I guess. Um, how have you seen the environment change and how, how can you even fight back against corporations, the government? Like, how have you been able to still maintain some of your land, really? Look, we, we, were, we successfully drove out the, the oil companies from our territory. And there are many stories of success um, in the Amazon, um, as well as many stories of, of destruction. Um, and fortunately, my community up until now has been able to keep our, our, our forests and our territory intact. And we continue protecting it um, thanks to you know, the fight of everyone in the community coming together and, and fighting with, with one, one mindset and one heart, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of communities today are, are continue to resist and we are continuing to resist um, the extractive industries. But, you know, every year... I see people continue to risk their lives um, to protect these places. And that needs to be recognized as well. A lot of times we think that, you know, maybe like indigenous people, they're just saying no and no and no, but like really mm. um, it's for the benefit of, of everyone in the end. Yes. Yeah. Um, and also I think one of the changes that are, um, Worrying is, you know, how the cycles of of nature, like the like climate patterns, are changing in the Amazon. Mm. Uh, recently, uh, this year, in the beginning of the year, my community was hit by massive floods, which probably is, you know, a combination of deforestation um, and climate change, and it destroyed huge parts of my community. It destroys people's ability to live of their, um, you know, the, their crops and uh, the, their food. Um, mm -hmm. And that leaves community super vulnerable. Um, and, you know, that's when people start becoming poor. That's when people start... Um, needing more um of this system you get trapped in this, this cycle basically and you don't want to feed this system yeah you kind of have to that's really sad of course yeah. yeah yeah and for everyone really because i think um you're really seeing it up close you know how it's it's happening but of course it's going to affect all of us in the end yeah and also like you said but i think it's also really important for people to understand is biodiversity i understand that uh, it's really certain tribes who are really protecting biodiversity and can you explain how important that is for the health of the whole planet and why that really shows that we're all connected yeah i mean a lot of statistics um like from the un the iucn um say that basically like indigenous people um are around like four to five percent of the entire world's population mm. but indigenous people are protecting more than 80 percent of the world's biodiversity 
And, you know, just something like that really, really shows how important indigenous people are in protecting land and animal species and, you know, plant species. And I think what we a lot of times forget is that, you know, all of the medicine that we have today, all of the knowledge that we have today, all of that comes from nature itself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we as humans, we depend on the earth. And it's really, sometimes it's really easy to forget about that and or to not understand that if you're living in a city and you're not connected with, um, you know, with the landscape and, and nature around you. But we need to start questioning as well, you know, where does my food come from? Where does my clothes come from? All of that comes from nature in the end. Mm-hmm. But we're like, in this world, we're not used to seeing it we're not used to see you know when we eat meat for example we're not we we do not want to see meat as an animal that has died for us in order to eat it but as in you know um indigenous people continue to hunt and continue um to fish um and continue to maintain that balance but also if you know speaking about climate change Um, you know, in the end, climate change is a result of the destruction and exploitation of our world's resources and biodiversity. So um, in order for us to fight against that, we also need to protect um, the world's biodiversity. Are you actually hopeful for the system to change? Because I can imagine... I'm sure people ask you all the time, like, what can we do to help? And people can go to like the GoFundMe page and they can help. But it's really about systemic change, I think it is. And that seems like such a a monster, really, you know, like, where do we start to change that? Are you hopeful that it will change, that we can change it together? I am. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I know, like, it's um, a lot of people ask me that question, like, how do I continue because a lot of times it seems like a lost battle but I think you know this is completely beyond me I I am hopeful um I also think that we need to understand that change is never easy transformation is never easy it's a difficult process it um it's painful a lot of times And I think it's going to be the same here. Um, I think we need to understand that it's going to be, it is a huge challenge Mm -hmm. and that we will have to sacrifice a lot of things. We will definitely need to sacrifice luxury. And I am willing to do that. I think a lot of people are willing to do that. Um, But, you know, we have to continue working towards it. Um, and I also see, you know, how a lot of younger people are are starting to, you know, being active in these issues and they want change. They, they don't want to continue living um, like we have been doing for the past decades and perhaps centuries. So I, I do think that it's possible. Otherwise, I would not you know, be doing this. And I also celebrate each small victory because if every, if we all put, you know, our efforts together, I think 
I I know that we can we can change our path. Yeah. If you live a certain way, we're so used to comfort and it's really about starting to sit in that discomfort to really make a change, I think. Has actually becoming a mother changed the way you go about your cause? Um totally. <laughs> no, I mean I've I've always been very convinced and um about what I do and I've always been very passionate about this. Um but becoming a mother uh, I guess made it more urgent as well and I I work more intensely now, I would say for sure. Um and as I said like becoming a mother for me was very very empowering and I think that is also reflected throughout my work today. Um I dare to do things that I would never have dared before. Um and you know i have been able to put a lot of my fears away um in order to continue with my work and i've also expanded my work um you know in a lot of ways understanding how all these things are connected with each other i've started working work more with women um and addressing uh, a lot of issues that you know women face So it has definitely changed me for the better also like within my work. What is something um you did that you feel like you wouldn't have dared to do that before? Um one of the things that I did was to speak out about um the violence that I have experienced in my life because you were um you were in a violent relationship with the father of your son, no? Yes. So um being a mother um and realizing how we as parents uh shape the future of our children and you know the next generations I realized that um this is not what I want my children to learn mm-hmm. and this is not what I want for myself because I cannot be the mother that I want to be if I am hurting, if I am not respecting and loving myself, um and I cannot continue fighting for everyone else and continue fighting for the rights of nature, the rights of indigenous people um if I do not fight for my own rights. Um so I left that relationship and a year later um i decided to speak about it as well mostly to like raise the issue and because i i think it's it's such an important topic to talk about because as women as, you know as i was saying like we experience so many different challenges we experience so many different levels um of violence you know whether that violence comes from governments because you are defending your territory or the extractive industries um or public politics um you know whether you're discriminated um you know in the work field because you're a woman or violence w- within your family there's so many different ways that we as women experience violence and you know earth defenders and indigenous women that are defending 
their territories against extractive industries are even more exposed to this violence. And we do not talk about these things very often. Um, mm-hmm. It's very invisibilized. Um, and yet it is still so present within our societies. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, if it's in Europe, if it's in South America, if you're indigenous, if you're not indigenous, this violence against women is, is it's structural, it's systematic, it's widely accepted or tolerated mm-hmm. um, by society and you know, I I think that we need to start addressing these issues. It also seems like in legal systems, it's still like that female victims are questioned, you know, instead of just heard for their problems. Have you experienced that as well? Yeah, I think that every time a woman um, speaks about some sort of violence that she has experienced, there is always, always someone questioning whether that is true or not or if there's a hidden agenda um you know it can be the legal system it can be society um it can be at your workspace um but that questioning is ridiculous because there is nothing harder uh for a woman that than speaking out about something like that yeah, we have to start seeing things for what they really are. And, you know, I think that women are important. Women um, also want to have um, a fully, you know, happy um, life. And uh, if our society and our governments can't see that, then we need to fight for that as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, also just want to mention the fact that a lot of these, um, like the extractive industries and um, especially like oil, the oil industry and the mining industry also bring a lot of violence to local communities, um, a lot of sexual exploitation, um, a lot of gender-based violence and the destruction of nature, climate change, and gender-based violence are actually very, very like connected and interrelated. Um, mm. But it's not spoken about so much. And I guess my work path has kind of changed from being strictly environmental, you know, like um, land rights-based towards including, um, you know, Uh, women's rights and gender-based violence, working against gender-based violence, because I see how these extractive industries bring violence to our communities, bring violence to our, to the women of the communities. And, you know, I'm, I want to work to have territories and indigenous women's bodies that are free from this violence, Mm -hmm. um, that are, that are free Um, so that's the pathway that I'm kind of taking with my work today. Yeah. What was actually the moment that you decided to leave that relationship? Because I feel that's very different for every woman, probably could be an accumulation of many things, or was there like one thing that happened 
or having your son that you were like, no, this is enough? Um, <clears throat> I think there were a lot of things that happened. Um, I had there was a lot of important moments. Um, obviously, uh, you know, becoming a mother was definitely uh, an important moment. And another very important moment was also a conversation with a friend um, who had been through the same thing um, and who knew what I was going through, but could also, you know, sit down with me and be very, very straightforward saying that... Um, She basically said, I can't, I cannot recognize you anymore. I don't, I don't know who you are anymore. And in that moment, I realized that I do not want to be that person. Mm. I think it was the day after actually that I decided to leave. And I want to add to that, that it was very important for me to have another woman by my side that, you know, I knew loved me, that cared for me, that was my best friend that knew what I was going through, but that could also be very straightforward with me. And after that, accompany me, um, you know, when I, once I decided to leave. And that showed me how important it is for women to support each other, to be there for each other, um, without making feeling um, each other guilty or um, ashamed, um, but to lift each other up. And yeah, that's, I think that's super, super important. You also said, of course, that you've dealt with abuse in many ways in your life, of course, not, not only with your ex-partner. But I was wondering, how do you personally, um, is there something you do to clear out that trauma that helps you, even if it's like in a small way? I've never really been a person that, um, you know, kind of sits down to take care of myself. I've always been a person who's very driven and continues and continues, you know, no matter what. Um, but recently, um, I, I've, you know, first started in, in uh, therapy um, to have like that kind of professional accompaniment. So that's kind of like this Western um, way of, of healing and dealing with trauma. And, um, it, you know, in another way, I have also turned a lot to the plants. So I have a lot of plants in my home um, that, you know, make me feel safe, make me feel grounded. Um, to take care of those plants. Um, I also drink a lot of like teas and plants and kind of have that as like a little comforting, I would say. Um, so in that way, like also, you know, if there is like a day that I'm very, very stressed um, to go out and be in nature or take a walk like in the woods, Uh, has been very helpful for me actually yeah and you really see yourself as a bridge between two worlds what do you feel we can really learn from both worlds i've seen both beautiful sides um and the ugly sides of of both places um but you know what i think that we can learn is that no no matter like where you are 
um, we are all part of this world. We are all connected in some way. And I think that, you know, if, if we hadn't seen that before, I think that this pandemic really showed that as well. How, you know, something that starts or happens in one side of the world can actually affect like everyone. And I think that, you know, this is just the beginning of, of that kind of manifestation. Um, I think that we're going to see that connection more and more um, in a negative way if we do not take action right now. Yeah. And lastly, this is the question we ask all our guests. If we look into the future 25 years from now, which is actually quite close still, but how would you envision the world to ideally be like for specifically mothers and their families or say parents and their families? Um, I definitely envision a world where women are safe and equal and where children are safe um, and where people are aware and respectful of our surroundings and all the living beings around us. Um, you know, humans and animals and plants um, and where, you know, all these like social injustices and um, differences um, don't exist. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's, you know, a realistic dream, but that is definitely mm -hmm. what I want to work for. We can't choose where we're born and, and what we're born into, but I we can choose like the type of persons we want to be for ourselves and the people around us. Yeah, the path that we take, really. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, thank you so, so much for this talk. It was so nice talking to you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much and good luck with everything. Thank you. Have a nice day. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to know more about Anna's idea of the new motherhood, head on over to the pilot episode where she explains more about this. Please hit subscribe if you'd like to be notified when a new episode is up. Also, we'd be very happy to get your feedback and possibly suggestions for new topics or interviewees. Hope this episode informed, inspired, opened up your mind in some way. Until next time.